Hello, and welcome to the EuroWhat, episode number 90 for the week of July 20th, 2020. I'm Ben Smith, and I'm joined today by Mike McComb. Hey, Mike. Hello. We are a pair of Americans trying to make sense of the Eurovision Song Contest, and this week we'll be catching up on news from the last month. You know, like two weeks ago when I thought that we were supposed to be recording this episode, I was like, what's been going on? And then I checked things. It turns out a lot happens when you don't look at the Eurovision news for five weeks. Yeah, yeah. Things have been, uh, piled up nicely, I yes, guess. Yeah, there's, uh, so much, <laughs> there's so much to talk about. At the end of our last episode, the episode before that, I don't know. Like, <laughs> we, we've Time done is... so much recording outside of like outside of any sort of synchronicity. So, yes. it's, um... so much recording has happened at different times than we usually do. And my brain's all scrambled. Yes, but uh, yeah, uh, we asked people to uh, send us stuff uh, either through email, through Twitter, through Facebook uh, to, um, yeah, just kind of fill up our mailbag and uh, wanted to uh, give some responses to that. After episode 88, when we were talking about 12 minutes in Finland uh, from 2007, got a number of notes on that. Uh, The number one note, I mispronounced Neve's name and yeah, learn it, live it, love it. In in fairness, there are four letters in her name that are not pronounced the way that you think they are. Correct. Uh, And uh, in my defense, I was not expecting to have to name check her, uh, which was like just silly on my part. But yeah, it was not in my notes at all. Uh, Usually we have phonetic spellings of everything. Uh, (laughs) And yeah, I totally dropped the ball on that one. Her name is Neve. Her name is Neve. She's lovely. And, she's great uh, yes she's and i learn it live it love it i will pick up irish and duolingo at some point so <laughs> i think that has been like the most controversial thing that we've gotten feedback on on, on the podcast which <laughs> i guess that's a good thing? like if if, if in three years of doing this or roughly three years of doing this that is the most mail we have gotten about a thing i'm i'm fine with that yeah yeah so um yes uh (laughs) thank you everyone for letting us know so that we do not make that mistake again let's see uh and then uh isaac wrote in uh with uh a lot a lot of information and context uh about the uk portion of that uh, particular episode yeah uh let us know a lot of uh sort of bucks fizz's history or or not so much his well Events that have taken place between when they won Eurovision and when they were uh, when a couple of them were on pointless and uh, yeah my takeaway from it is we might need to do a behind the music style episode about Bucks Fizz because yeah there's just they've had a lot going on like some some <laughs> of it kind of tragic and sad but uh, also still kind of relevant today like one of them made a political run and a, a lot going on there. Okay, life is a rich tapestry. Yes, yes. So uh, not sure when uh, that particular episode will drop, but it is definitely on our uh, to-do list. So um, yay for that. Uh, Yeah, Isaac also passed along, uh, since we were on the game show tip, uh, he sent us a link to an episode of the UK game show Who Dares Wins, which was... Uh, it's it's put on by the National Lottery in the UK, and uh, they had a special Eurovision-themed episode before the 2015 contest. And that was where I learned that Dancing with the Stars judge uh, Bruno Tagnoli was a backing singer for one of the acts competing to represent the UK in 1980, which uh, they played video of it as well. And I was just like, wow, I was expecting zero of this. <laughs> Again, life is a rich tapestry. Yeah. Full of yeah. so much intricate detail. 
really video clips please please send them our way because we will watch them and we will watch uh, them we will talk about them. yeah we do like a video clip <laughs> here on our podcast and then oh, one other note that 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 struck a chord with me uh just one note about sort of what was meant by uh scooches something to suck on before landing is apparently in reference to boiled sweets which are used to help with ear popping some are like chewing gum when you're on a plane Mm-hmm. One of the things I've done in quarantine is I've subscribed to a service a service that sends international junk food to me because that is that's like my favorite souvenir to bring back from from international mm-hmm. travels is to just go to the local supermarket and get weird potato chips and weird chocolate. Yep. And now that I can't do that, it, I need it to come to me. Um, anyways, uh, they had a UK box a few months back and it had some boiled sweets amongst other other things, including some Bucks Fizz ones, which a Bucks Fizz is also a cocktail. It's like a mimosa. Okay. Oh, that makes. Oh, yeah. That all that all makes sense. All right. <laughs> it all tracks. Yeah. Yeah. And and yeah. And I ended up googling the phrase "boiled sweets." And yeah, like it uh, for, for U.S. folks, they're like Jolly Ranchers or any sort of lozenge tablet like candy. So uh, it's just a horrible, horrible name for something that is actually pretty nice, <laughs> a, a fun little treat. It's like so. re- relatively <laughs> innocuous, but also just like boiled. Yeah, yeah, it's just like, well, yeah, just thinking of that, like, beige candy that's in, like, the orange or black wrappers that you get at Halloween. That you get or, from, like, bad houses at Halloween. Yeah. Where you're or, like, who like, even continues making this? Yeah, like, I don't even know, what, what was it, like, peanut butter? Or I never top? ate them, I don't know. Yeah, they were, they were just, like, these brown cubes of sad, so. <laughs> they were wrapped in orange and black, and, like, you always ended up with a handful of them in your Halloween bag mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah and like th- i i think that was the image that always would come up when i would think of boiled sweets and just like uh, all right moving on to episode 89 our last episode uh where we uh chatted with the folks from uh 12 points from america about uh fire saga uh one of the things that came up in that conversation uh, was about fire saga's eligibility for the oscars Looking at the official rules for the Oscars, like there there are asterisks everywhere and bold print everywhere about like all of this is subject to change because of the universe right now. And I think it's all going to come down to like how distribution is defined. And this is really kind of getting into the weeds of like the Oscarness, where if it were a normal Oscar season, uh, Fire Saga would need to have some sort of theatrical release uh, mm-hmm. in order to be eligible for songs. And this year, one of the relaxations to the rules that the Academy has made uh, has been uh, it can go to like if the movie ends up just going straight to digital release, uh, it can still be eligible, but like there has to be a special private screening streaming service thing that's done through the academy and one of the lines that i've read said that it needs to be for movies that were originally intended for a theatrical release and i think that might be where fire saga could run into trouble because as far as i know it was always intended always been like a a netflix Netflix project and not in like a roma way where roma they did like a little they did they had places where you could go watch roma in like a proper theater Right. Yeah. And it was played in LA for a week and then went uh, straight to Netflix. And the same thing with The Irishman last year and a handful of other uh, streaming movies. And I don't 
think Netflix was planning on doing that sort of thing. I, I don't read like the LA trades all yeah, that closely. But- so I don't know if they, if, Netflix even considered doing any sort of Oscar push on the song front. So I'm thinking it might not be eligible unless, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe Netflix just had like a secret plan or they're just waiting for the rules to change again. So exactly. Uh, but like, I yeah. do, I do not see Netflix doing like a special week of screenings in LA for, for this. Somehow no. that just does not that does, like looking over their slate of original movies for 2020. I cannot imagine them going, yes, this one. Maybe Netflix really does want that best original song Oscar, but uh, yeah, it's it's not like there's any other real push. Maybe costume. Nah, I don't know about costumes, but uh, yeah, if if they were going to make any sort of push for awards, it would probably be more on the technical side. Then um, I mean, Will Ferrell's not going to be up for best actor uh, <laughs> or anything like that. So yeah, um, if for some reason it does end up becoming eligible, uh, one of the good things to know is that uh, lyrics don't necessarily have to make sense to be eligible. Uh, Vulture had a really fun interview uh, with Dothi Ferrer about uh, the Icelandic in uh, the song Husavik. And his takeaway is pretty much, um, it does not make sense. Uh, so. It does not make sense. I mean, when I have been thinking about the, the music's Oscar choices, I have been jokingly thinking to myself, it will get nominated, but Husevik and Double Trouble votes will cancel one another out, and the song that actually makes it to the Oscar night is Ya Ya Ding Dong. Oh, yeah. As, yeah. as like a Blame uh, Canada sort of a mm-hmm. deal. Yeah, I, I think that absolutely could happen. I, I um. can absolutely picture Will Ferrell, who always does a bit at the Oscars, who always does a bit. Right. Uh, in costume, with Rachel McAdams gamely doing this along with him. Yeah. And the Meryl Streep just like shouting audience. Ding yeah. Dong. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, could you just imagine like, Can you imagine? the audience singing singing along and yeah. <laughs> uh which uh speaking of Yaya Ding Dong, mm-hmm. Yaya Ding Dong is now a bar in Husavik. There's an actual <laughs> bar in Husavik, Iceland named Yaya Ding Dong, which you know what, as someone who lives in a city where we have multiple instances of the Cheers bar, I get it. You yeah. want you want those tourists. Yeah, and I mean Husavik's expecting there to be a tourism boom. Uh I mean I Iceland's really been having the glow up uh the last year and a half or so and yeah like the uh i've been seeing a whole bunch of articles about how the tourism industry is starting to see a little bit of a boost thanks to the movie so well like yay? tourism <laughs> is like a huge business in iceland anyway like it's replaced right. fishing as like the number one industry there although i love their current marketing uh campaign Especially mm-hmm. as someone who has had some frustration that not only will they not get to go to Eurovision, they probably also cannot safely go to uh, Iceland Airwaves again. Mm-hmm. There was like the thing in Japan where they were like the very cutesy phrase, please scream inside your heart was was revealed. And like, that's great. Please yep, scream inside that was your my, heart. That, that, that was my Twitter bio for about a week or so. so. <laughs> yep. Uh, and Iceland said, okay, you can scream inside your heart or you can record your screams and we will play them at one of multiple beautiful vistas of our of our beautiful outdoor <laughs> environments we will play your screams at a glacier or something ah oh. <laughs> like like i just feel calmed down just thinking about that just thinking about screaming and having it get played at a beautiful glacier while i get to watch yeah Ugh. and then just like one final note on yaya ding dong because mm. at some point it will work its way out of my brain but that point has not happened yet uh, Glethy Legan, Threethy Dog to Hera Bjork's Icelandic cover of Ya Ya Ding Dong. Uh, it, like, I believe Wee Wee Blogs had it. I saw it on Twitter. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it like Hera Bjork, who's just a legend at this point. It just seems just seems real nice. Like her vibe, good good like wine aunt energy, which is always a plus in my book from Eurovision. Oh yeah. Uh, she had some great covers during the home concerts, and she recorded a cover of Yaya yeah, Ding Dong in Icelandic. And she mentions in the post that it appears in on Facebook that it was after a few Pinot Grigios. And I'm just like, yes. Thank yes. You. <laughs> this, is, this is delightful. You're great. Uh, Can I visit your house? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She has a really nice house. She had like some beautiful views out of her window during the home concerts. I'm just like, yeah. is this where you live all the time? This is great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Ho- hopefully we'll get to see uh, her performance at the uh 2010 eurovision uh soon uh during eurovision again because that's still happening it's still happening it is it's now a monthly thing so the last weekly edition was back in in june on june 27th we went to copenhagen 2014 which is such a good contest i'd forgotten so good how solid that contest is watching that made me re-add all of paula punk's best of album to my usual playlist and it's great i'm listening to a song about the ambulance i love it and, like, so many entries that, like, didn't make the cut to the finals, and I'd forgotten about that. Because mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. were a few threads going around during Eurovision Again time of just, like, okay, but, like, there's so many good things happening during the show, but here's the stuff that you're not seeing. And the fact that it was one of the smaller contests of the decade, like, there were only 39 countries that competed. So, like, two, two-thirds of the competitors were at the final, and, yeah, like, it, it was such a good show. Such oh. a good show. People really brought their A-game. Mm-hmm. Uh, this past weekend, the first monthly edition, it's now the third Saturday of the month, which I like. Like that, that's a nice cadence. It gives mm-hmm. them time to like reach out to broadcasters and be like, "Hello, can we, can we polish this and show it in a few weeks?" Yes. Everybody involved seemed to like not being as rushed for time to pull this together, and like I like that for from everybody. Everybody looks, everybody looked well rested. Everybody looks like they'd been outside, enjoyed yeah. some, enjoyed some summer breezes. It's great. Anyways, we went to Jerusalem 1999 this week, and that was a trip. That was oh, a trip. Because <laughs> uh, I forget what 1999 was like, and it was oddly comforting to be like, no, Eurovision was also very aware of trends in 1999. Mm-hmm. Just like, was watching it, and my brain was just screaming things like, remember Total Request Live? Remember Frosted Tips? Ugh, the styling. It was just, it was so painful to look at because, like, that was right when I was, like, the middle of my high school experience. Be like, yep, that was the look at the time. I don't know what we were thinking, but that was the look. Like, everybody looked deep fried. It was... Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, like, there were, there were, like, nice little touches. Like, no, music in 1999 was absolutely happening in the same space as the Eurovision Song Contest. We had a lot mm-hmm. of boy bandy things. Yeah. We had... Which we which we did not have in like nineteen ninety seven or nineteen ninety eight, but like nineteen ninety nine, everybody was like, "Nope, boy and girl groups, we're doing it." Yep, yep. A lot of the uh, Schmacks Schmartin, yeah, uh, like syncopation Martin going or, on, or yeah. Max Martin soundalikes. <laughs> um, the postcards were insane. There was just an acid trip involving the golden calf from the Bible that was real concerning, <laughs> and like I I feel like I tweeted multiple times. I could have just retweeted the same thing of just like, what does any of this have to do with any of this? Mm-hmm. For every single mm-hmm. postcard. Because like, on one hand, there was like the usual touristy thing. On the other hand, it's like, well, uh, we have all of these leftover animations from Vacation Bible School VHS tapes. 
What if yeah. we use those as a jumping off point? Yeah. <laughs> and it was also, it felt kind of like a throwback to the uh, postcards from the 1979 contest. Like they were yes. like still doing the same kind of vignette style. In fact, there were a couple where I was just like, wait a minute, you did this exact same thing in 79. Come on. <laughs> I, I thought they were well executed, though. Like, yes, it, they, were, yes, mixing, they were very like, well executed, but also I was just like, did they just like take these graphics from one of the multitude of, of videotapes about the information superhighway? Mm-hmm. Which yeah, is like, which is one of, of my favorite aesthetics. I was not mad. Yeah, yeah. But there, it was definitely, ooh, technology was uh, going through a very rough adolescence in 1999 <laughs> and not, not just because of Y2K. Like, I just feel from like 1997 uh, to 1999, we just produced videos on that at like a steady clip because people need to know about the internet. The internet is coming. It's here. Beep, beep. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I don't know, the opening animation uh, where it's just this kind of 3D rendered animation. I think you were calling it like DreamWorks. Like, it was like the DreamWorks clip. like animation logo or it was like the opening to like a computer game like Myst. Right. Yeah. Was, but like was... watching it, it was just like, oh man, in 1999, this would have been considered state of the art. But now it looks kind of like that Pixar baby animation that's just terrifying to that, see now. It's just like, wow, this... <laughs> it, it's kind of great to know that like specific computer graphics just do not age well at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but Time like song wise, on. I was pleasantly surprised. I was very familiar with "Take Me to Your Heaven." Yes. Uh, although I'm a weirdo who likes that in the original Swedish better, so I liked the reprise that had it in Swedish for a little bit. Yes, it, it, it flows better weirdly. I think that it, makes sense. Well, well, well it's, yeah, it's, it's I mean, also that part of like speaking of Max Martin. Yeah, like Max Martin writes lyrics in a very mathematical fashion, where they don't always mm-hmm. make sense when you look at them written down. Right. And I don't believe he had anything to do with this because it was very schlagery. But okay. also those lyrics, if you thought about them too hard, was a little was a little bit like, what's what's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I really liked Iceland's entry, which Iceland famously came second in mm-hmm. in the 1999 contest. I thought that was well-deserved. I was hoping it was going to take the lead in, in the Eurovision Again voting. I also really liked Croatia's entry, Maria Magdalena. That one was so good. So good. Like, the first three entries were okay. And then Maria Magdalena happened, like, yes, this is exactly what I want from a 1999 Eurovision. This specific sound. Yeah, the sound and, like, the dramatic uh, reveal of of the dress. Like, that, and it was just, it was a really nice outfit. Yeah, like, Mm -hmm. that that was a very well-executed performance. (laughs) I I just remember seeing on Twitter, like, multiple, ooh, a reveal. Yeah. Uh, Because we're we're very, (laughs) we're we're very bored of these things now. But in the time, it's like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and also, like, it felt like a nice holdover from what won in, two, in, in 1998. Uh, Israel won last year with a song about a historical figure over, like, a dance beat. So we're going to do mm-hmm. that, too. Yes. Yeah. It, and it's such a different look from what we get from Croatia now. So, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Cro- Croatia, maybe. Can we, can we swing back in that direction, please? Mm-hmm. Croatia, yeah, Croatia. <laughs> hey, hey. I get it, buddy. You want to try new yeah. things? And that's that's fine. It's fine. We yeah. we all do that, especially like right now during quarantine. It's time to experiment, figure out who, he, who you are. But also, mm-hmm. this was real good. We like this. Yes, yes. So that particular performance was also interesting, just because of the uh, that song had some controversy of including uh, possibly pre-recorded vocals. In, yeah, because there the was mix. there was one backing singer on stage, but one backing singer does not provide does not provide the the deep level of almost gospely. Yeah, and 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 this was before like they would hide 
backing singers on stage, which happens nowadays. Where it's like, yeah, yeah happens they have now, like six people. But like, Eurovision was still in sort of that transitional stage where it was moving away from here is our singer and here are their backing singers. We will perform mm. our song in a straight line. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because this was also the first one that didn't have the orchestra, so like they just didn't know what to do with the stage. So <laughs> they didn't receive any sort of penalty at that contest. But the following year, when they were doing. This was around the time of relegation, and it was a cut to their score and how they determined the average and something about square roots and exponents. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it uh, was quite the controversy then. And the controversy coming up now is how Eurovision is trying to future-proof to prevent the cancellation of uh, like next year's show and other shows. And they're allowing pre-recorded singers on backing tracks which like that absolutely makes sense to me because if we are still in a situation where you need to reduce the number of people in a venue that's a real good way to do it is like what if what if no backing singers what if it's just this person or this group and the bare minimum they need so that we can keep things safe for everyone i kind of want to see it in execution before like kind of coming yeah before we go yes this is good or yes this is bad because i want to know what that looks like in the modern context yeah, because, I mean, they have some guidelines about, like, how much recording can be in there, or, like, how, how much of a presence the pre-recorded vocals can have in the yeah, song. Yeah, because I, I believe they explicitly yeah. say, like, you cannot have, like, your lead vocals pre-recorded. Right. That's a no. Right. But, um, I mean, how how much, like, goosing could happen uh like it's just like oh well it's not the lead vocals but if it's enhancing the sound of the lead vocals or i don't know it could end up turning into like a lip sync for your life situation which i i don't know that that could be fun in some cases but yeah it's i I think there's also just the unknown of if next year's contest like everything does go back to normal or like a new normal and this rule wouldn't and it would be just like any contest from like five years ago and you don't need the pre-recorded vocals but it's still an option i i don't know like yeah, yeah like there's like, there's a lot open and i feel like a lot of people have been very hasty and going well this is the end of eurovision this is just this this ruins it and i feel like we've said that about so many different things over the years because like there are still the very devoted people who would like the orchestra back thank you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and i also think of, like back to like 20 uh norway's 2017 entry where there was the controversy there where uh they uh joust was using a modified version of a vocal sound in creating the like actual like notes that mm-hmm. is in the song and it's also kind of like that uh justin bieber effect in that one yeah uh, like it was it was around the time that things like where are you now and what do you mean and all the other songs like that were having a moment so it was very on trend yeah like the process for those and like very in like videos you can find online is like okay yeah we have like this little this micro snippet and we Mm -hmm. and we do so much processing to it that you don't even realize it's the vocal yeah but it's still technically a human voice that is recorded so it's if it's something that's going to push music forward, I think it could be awesome. But if it's just going to be like, I don't know, somebody recreating a hundred person choir for their song, it's like, well, that's no fun. Yeah, that's no know? fun. So. Yeah. And I, I'm very interested to see how, how different countries approach that, because I think there are countries who will see, oh, this is a cool new tool we can play with. Let's figure out what this can do. And there are mm. other countries who will be like, well, this is <clears throat> this is helpful and we will be using it to make our song sound exactly like it does on the recording. 
Yes. So we'll see it in action next spring. So, yep. um, yeah. Uh, uh, speaking yeah. of next spring, we have so much information about a lot of nations have, have firmed up their plans. A lot of nations have gone, have decided, well, we're going to, we're going to go back to a different person. Uh, on the returning side, Moldova is sticking with Natalia Gordienko and possibly the Dream Team again, which, as someone who, speaking of, of Wine Aunt Energy, really enjoys uh, Moldova's particular strain of that, that's a little disappointing for me. I can kind of understand why Moldova would want to do that, just because uh, putting on a national final is expensive. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, if they don't have to do that again, I can totally see why they wouldn't want to. I've, I've been working on a project where I uh, had had the chance to listen to her uh, 2005, 2006, whenever that entry was. And it was a lot of fun. So. Okay. Okay, so like it's it's not necessarily just like the same team is not necessarily a bad thing. I think with enough time and like the right ingredients, Moldova could do something here. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like Moldova um, has like plenty of time for everybody to get on like a Zoom call from their house and be like, okay, so like what did we think of this week for songs? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also, working with the Dream Team probably over Zoom uh, is going to be Greece. Uh, they reported that they already have their song figured out, and they might be releasing it as early as november uh for stefania which which um greece just like sit on it just yeah. sit on it for like a few more months i get yeah, it we're I, all we're all at home we're all just real antsy and we want to do stuff or at least we are in america greece might be fine now uh but like also like you don't need to be the first one out there yeah and november is just way too early i mean i guess if they wanted to like float a balloon and be like oh this is our entry and then if it goes over really well be like all right we'll stick with it and then people are just like yeah what else you got they have plenty of time to figure out what else they've got but to make a fun dance remix of it hmm yeah they could do the full sir hat on that Mm -hmm. there we go (laughs) twitter yelled at us for this one but let's try this Yes, um, <laughs> it works. Yelling it, at people on Twitter yell, works. Yeah, yelling on Twitter at people works. <laughs> it's neat. Please don't yell at us. Uh, Please don't yell at us. Uh, uh, let's see. Um, Israel. Uh, they. Oh, they. They were going back and forth on like how they're going to be choosing uh, Eden Lean's song for next year. And one of the articles said that they were considering using Songland. And I was doing the happy "I told you so" dance because like, yes, finally, some country is going to be using that format. Uh, but then they uh, earlier this week, uh, they came out and said that uh, they're going to hold a 16 song national selection where it's going to take uh, take place over uh, a couple of semifinals where uh, they'll play the 16 songs of, of those 16, four will be chosen. And uh, it'll be kind of like how they did their song selection final this year. Uh, where Eden will perform all four songs and then there'll be jury voting and public voting to determine that. So the interesting part about it, uh, well, I mean, it's a new process, so that already is interesting. But uh, in the semifinal or preliminary rounds, however, that ends up getting divided up, um, it won't necessarily be Eden performing those songs, which I think is kind of a cool idea. Let's do like a little bit of the song land format. Just like, here's the songwriter singing their song. 
Yeah, or um, it, it could kind of be kind of um, like uh, Festival de Cansao, where it's the songwriter is just responsible for like fielding the team that is going to perform the song. So, uh, yeah, the producers don't care; they just uh, need somebody to sing the song uh, mm-hmm. on on TV. So, I mean, on the other hand, I can only imagine that Can looked at the ratings for Songland in America, and like if it didn't work here, yeah, yeah. I mean, if it, it, if it, it was could... not proven to be a winning formula here. Uh, when you don't have a ton of programming budget, that that probably makes you want to hedge your bets on something a little bit more straightforward. Yeah, or it could have also just been a case of they weren't able to secure the rights for the format, which also makes a lot of sense. But um, yeah, I mean, I think there are a lot of reasons why Songland didn't work in this particular situation. But I'm really excited about it. I don't know. Like, is Israel, they know what they're doing. And I'm excited to see what comes out of this. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, they... They were doing an awesome job this year. They and did I, a great I job see no reason. Year. Yeah, I see no reason why that that would that would change uh, next year. So, uh, Slovenia, our friends over in Slovenia, who every time I recognize a Slovenian song from Eurovision again, I'm like, why is this so familiar? And then I remember mm-hmm. that Clement Skanconia uh, performed all of them this year. Yes, <laughs> Anna Soklic is in the market for a new song. Uh, submissions are open now. Uh, and she's having a real normal one uh, in explaining that your song could be chosen. Cause I need, I need, I need some crazy folks out there. This is going to sound really mean, but like she didn't really have the opportunity to have a personality uh, during this year's selection process. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, the way that Emma, uh, the slovenia selection format works um like they don't really interview the contestants and she wasn't a favorite going in uh as far as i can recall but Mm -hmm. um yeah so it's just like oh yeah she sang this song very well and ended up winning and uh they spent so much time on revamping the song that by the time that the revamp came out like the contest was canceled so like yeah she kind of missed out on all of the interviews and fan engagement stuff uh she did perform at uh eurovision home concerts but mm-hmm. yeah she had uh, like that beautiful like by a body of water performance. <laughs> yeah the the eurovision at home but not at home at concert, home but also so, in like, like like a national park for some reason yeah yeah and then uh she's saying uh sus uh albania century from 2012 uh which is not the most approachable song so like i mean she sang it incredibly well because that is a mm-hmm. yeah, very like, challenging song to do points but... points for difficulty yeah yeah but it, it's uh really really highlighting the like technical side of things and not like the fun personality part so yeah uh <laughs> having a normal one doing a total christina aguilera run at like the a christina end. aguilera or like the other thing that came to me because i watched the 30 rock reunion last week was just like mm-hmm. jenna jenna maroney just like yeah. bursting into song and like the boat mm-hmm. party and the in the pilot yeah <laughs> or just like pulling a microphone out of her purse Yes, yeah, there, there was some definite Jenna Maroney energy uh, coming out of this video clip. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I could go two ways about this. Either that's going to get really old really fast, or uh, she's kind of a Samantatina that we didn't know about, yeah, like, and I am like, here for that discovery. Just like, <laughs> so. Slovenia, why have you oh. been sitting on this? Yeah. You love Samantatina. Yeah, 
Yeah, so, um, yeah, that's going to be one of the trends for 2021. Because you know how there are always clones and trends. And it's like, oh, well, what worked in, like, the previous year? Uh, crazy wine ant energy? Yeah, yes. Um, that is yes. definitely going to work. So. <laughs> and, like, speaking of freaky wine ant energy. Ooh, yeah. Uh, Sunit uh, revealed, I think, like, a few weeks ago with, like, a little fun teaser that she was going to do a freaky trip to Rotterdam. Uh, and what she meant by that is that she's going to cover songs that she loved from from the Eurovision every month. But the videos are also a tribute to I want to say just like women or, or people or performers she likes. It was not very clearly explained to me why she was dressed as Grace Jones. Uh, but she's dressed as Grace Jones. Mm-hmm. The thing that I loved about the video is that there is a minute long intro. Uh, just explaining to us all of Sneet's bona fides. And mm-hmm. like it calls her the freaky queen, which I'm just like, okay, one person on Twitter screamed that at you. Yeah. That is not, that is not a thing. <laughs> like one person responded to a Sneet video with, yes, freaky queen. Uh, and do on, we know on, if it was a sock puppet account or not? on YouTube? Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, her first video was a cover of Teo's "Cheesecake" from from the twenty fourteen from the twenty fourteen contest. Everything everything is relevant. Um, yeah, and it's that was such an interesting choice in multiple yeah. ways. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it was really unexpected. It's like, oh yeah, that's one that just doesn't come up in like the. Uh, pantheon i guess yeah, that, i don't know one, like it's not, not like yeah, cheesecake or canon, euphoria which yeah. i was like oh she's making interesting choices yeah uh, and then the idea of having a female singer approach that song which is very robin thick-esque to, to put mm. it nicely okay. was interesting to me yeah yeah because like um. the video for that is essentially the is essentially blurred lines for the, the original huh uh so the idea of of a woman reworking that song was very interesting to me Mm-hmm. And then when it got launched uh, last week, and was launched with like a link to the video and a Desmond Tutu quote, mm-hmm. I was just like, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, I clicked there's... on the video, and again, just went, "What?" <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's very colorful. It's um, very colorful. It has several points of view i don't know like it has has a lot of points of view it definitely is referencing grace jones it it seems to be specifically referencing her slave to the rhythm cover which has like the cut up photos that jean paul good would do okay that was like the main visual thing for me i thought that there was also elements of keith herring in the way that her suit was painted yes yes and then also there was a stripper cop as as like the foil for the video (laughs) yeah um Sorry, if that, that that was not stripper cop. That was just uh, my my sandals uh, catching. Yeah, but just was, uh, was that. <laughs> and, there, and, the, and then I was like, "Oh, this is commentary." Yeah. Like commentary about everything, but because it's about everything, it's kind of about nothing. It's, it's also about nothing. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, I'm not I'm not sure what the overall message is supposed to be or like why why this song as the delivery just like how mechanism? do you connect the dots of this song and mm-hmm. this styling and this theme 
Yeah, there's so much happening, and it, it's kind of making me a little concerned about the freaky branding. Yes. Um, where I, I appreciate that she is very sex positive and seems to be, like, discovering stuff about herself, but mm-hmm. I'm worried that this is also entering into a... This particular video, it made it seem a little kink shamey, which mm-hmm. is problematic in I, other yeah, ways. I don't yeah, know. Like, I feel like... Sunit released this video and is, like, standing at, like, a big knob on the wall and is turning it to see, like, how freaky. It's just she's turning the dial to see how freaky we will, how, how quote-unquote freaky we will let her get. Yeah. And she's, yeah, and it's just like, well, she's, it's... she's turning it to the right right now, and we're starting to boo, so she's going to start turning it to the left. It's a lot, but I'm also very curious what else is going to come out of this project. Yeah, like, project. It, is, it is a great <laughs> like, introduction to this project, because I'm like, what is she going to do next? Yeah. Because, yeah, like, she, I mean, in addition to this, she has done a cover, uh, like, last month, and I don't know if that was the, the inception of this, because it seems to be the same director, the same creative team. Mm-hmm. She did a cover of NCMA Yeah, this summer. that was so good. That was lovely. Yeah, so, I mean, it's just like, if she's, if she's experimenting with a number of different styles to maybe zero in on what she should do... Uh, in Rotterdam, I think that would be awesome. But yeah, if it's just fun. going to be this like hyper pitched sensory sort of overload, throwing experience, all of the crazy things at us. Yeah, like I, I think that's going to get exhausting. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and I, I, I don't think that's going to work in the long run. But mm-hmm. um, yes, yeah. I mean, do, do you have any cover requests for her? I saw that you added that to the document, and I was like, mm. that, that is a super fun assignment, because knowing that she... And I kind of went in two different directions of, okay, what are what are songs that did not win, that were not close to the top of the scoreboard, that I think would be a fun reworking coming from mm-hmm. a female perspective? Mm-hmm. And I also thought, thinking of NCMA, what are some other older winners that I would like to see her interpret? Mm. Uh, and on, on the on the first side of, of songs that did not win, but would be interesting to see reworked... Uh, Lipstick by Jedward. Dothy Frere reinterpreted it over, over the home concerts, and I thought it was fascinating. Yeah. And I would love to see what Sneet does with it. Ooh, especially uh, if she, like, downplays it instead of like amps it up i yes. think that could be yeah is what what does this song look like from a female perspective mm-hmm. uh and then like on the on the former eurovision winners that would be interesting to have revisited and brought back into the dialogue so like nothing from like the past 10 years is was like my weird cutoff was like okay nothing super recent and like some stuff that popped up for me was uh from i want to say 82 uh Frieden, yeah, all right. because Sam Marino likes them some Ralph Siegel. Yeah. And that was the time that he won. Yep. And like that is him, I think, at, at some of his creative peak in terms of Eurovision stuff he has written. Yeah. I would, I would uh, and like that. that one has like a lot of room for, for reinterpretation because the melody is pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one that felt weird and I think it could either go very good or very bad, uh, La Deswinga by Bobby Sox. Yeah. Okay. And then one that every time I hear it, including this past weekend at Eurovision again, feels like weirdly timeless to me. So if like if she need if she needs one where she's gone where she's twisted the freaky dial too far and needs to immediately do the opposite of that for a month so that we don't mutiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, just just cue up Hallelujah. Oh yeah. 
Everybody Ooh. loves Hallelujah. And like my only other note is just not Euphoria. We have heard enough covers of that this year mm-hmm. for five years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm just picturing Hallelujah in the style of the cheesecake video. And um, please, not that. <laughs> <laughs> just like it starts out with just her. And then like the next refrain, there's like two stripper cops behind her. There and you the go. Next refrain, yeah. there's like three behind them. So it's forming like a fun human pyramid sort of a deal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just like do that one as like the last song and bring in like one element from each of the weird videos that went before it. There we go. As like a fun season ender of this has been this has been Sunit's freaky trip to Rotterdam season one. Yes. See you next yeah. year. <laughs> like oh, and subscribe. In terms of recent entries, one that jumped to mind uh, that I think she could have a lot of fun with would be uh, Lithuania's 2017 entry, uh, Reign of Revolution. I think about that song a lot more frequently than I think. You think about that song a lot. I do. And you I think about that one and you think about attention a lot. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, Lithuania. And there's nothing wrong they, with that. They, but just like, no, but the, like, there's I, just I can something... absolutely see her list like having a ball with Reign of Revolution. Yeah. Cause there's just so many elements to that song. Mm-hmm. And, and it's very uh, clear that she likes a lot of elements. Yes. Yes. Uh, and, and it also just kind of matches her vocal style. So it might not be as challenging um, mm-hmm. uh, as a song to cover, but I think visually it could be very, very interesting. Um, and yeah, I, I wasn't thinking about previous winners and I probably should have, but maybe like Puppet on a String. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, like, I, I also like the idea of going into things that aren't part of the canon and sort of revisiting them. That's a more fun angle to me than doing things that mm-hmm. one. That's what the home concerts are for is like you play your song and you play a winner. Right. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I think there are a lot of options here. And um, yeah, no, no word yet on when the next video is supposed to drop. But uh, get hype, get freaky. I don't know. <laughs> I believe we're getting one next month. So like. Yes. Gird your loins for August, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Again? All right. Uh, <laughs> Just like setting a calendar reminder. It's a neat video mm. coming out. Gird loins. Yes. <laughs> um, anyways, um, those are acts that are returning next year. We also have mm. news about acts that are not returning next year. Correct. So Croatia announced that they will be using Dora to select their 2021 entrant, uh, which means that uh, Demir will not be, at least not uh, be internally selected. Uh, No word yet on if he's considering uh, entering Dora. I think part of the problem was uh, he he was very successful on the show. Your face sounds familiar. And uh, as is often the case on that show, he did a performance that involved blackface. And it's just like, just why like, that why? show? What? Why? Yeah, I, well, and like, this is not the first time I have seen a news story from mm-hmm. a version of Your Face Seems Sounds Familiar where a performer has gotten in trouble for performing as The Weeknd in blackface. Uh, this this yeah. has happened multiple times. What makeup artist is going from production to production and just going, you know, it'd be fun. Well, yeah, I mean, like, I can understand, like, a makeup artist approaching it being like, oh, this will be such an incredible challenge. It's like, true, but not but a good also, idea. Yeah. Just do, like, and, a fun wig and yeah, leave it and there. Just, yeah. And it's just like, if it's the singer that is just like, no, I really want to do this song by, like, insert mm-hmm. artist here. 
Uh, it's just like, yeah, you don't have to do it on this show. There are, like, how many celebrity singing shows? Go on Masked Singer, where it, like, <laughs> where you can Go sing Go on Masked Singer, where you, you can do that in yeah. a less problematic way. And, or, yeah. just some fun contouring. Just some fun contouring and not, like, full brown face. Right. It, it's just, like, ugh. It, yeah, so... In yeah, 2020, just, we have access to YouTube. Like, everything about this is just, like, come on. Like, did... How many people had to like had the opportunity to say no and did not? It's how many people were like this seems fine. Croatia will be choosing somebody else. Uh, France will also be choosing somebody else. Uh, they uh, well, this one's interesting. Uh, Tom Lieb announced uh, like through Instagram and elsewhere that uh, he would not be returning to represent France in 2021 because he has other projects that he's working on and uh, yeah, just can't make the Eurovision time commitment, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, there was also an article uh, over the weekend. Uh, came from the French delegation that announced what their plans are because they had a conversation with Tom and he was not going to be included in those plans. It's like, oh, uh, not entirely sure who said no at this point, but uh, perhaps a little bit of drama there. It's like Uh, a mutual decision was reached by one party. Yes, yes. It's just a matter of which party. Uh, Yeah, but that's not all that important um but what will be happening is uh france will be going back to a national selection uh this one is going to be called uh c'est vous qui décidez uh which uh loosely translates to it's you who will decide Um, this is your fault france yeah that's what i love about the whole you decide naming convention because it's like there's nothing wrong with destination eurovision they just ended up getting middle of the field results whereas now they if it's a you decide it's the audience's fault if they don't yeah, be- <laughs> you screwed it up paris uh-huh. this is why i was not in the naming conversation it's still in preliminary planning stages, but it sounds like it's just going to be like a one night national final type setup. So I don't know. I kind of miss Destination Eurovision. I thought that they were mm-hmm. onto something with that. Uh, I did too, because but... like there were so many acts that didn't win that were so interesting and felt like a good stable of performers who could come back year over year. Mm-hmm. Or be a source of internal selections for a few years. Exactly. Um, yeah. Like there, there are still like three or four songs from... Uh, the most recent Destination Eurovision that are still in my regular rotation. So, um, I don't know, something to consider for future contests? I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's what this year's, uh, well, it's this coming choice, year's France. field. Yeah, it's your choice. And then when you screw it up, we will make the choice again. So, <laughs> at least at least we know that there's going to be a new national selection to watch next year. So we will have podcast content. Yay. Yay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's weird with so many nations be like, we're going to stick with our performer. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just going I'm just going to sit yeah. here in January watching Tumbleweeds roll past. Yep. Yep. Because nobody yep. wants to release their song until March 6th. Mm-hmm. And that would include Italy, uh, which is doing San Remo uh, in uh, 2021 because uh, it's San Remo. Uh, but it's moved to March uh, 2 through 6, uh, which is much later than it has been the last several years. Like it's usually yes. a mid-February thing. I imagine part of it is to just maximize the amount of time they have to come up with a plan B if a plan B is needed for reasons. But it's not known yet if Italy is even doing Eurovision or if San Remo is going to be their selection method or what the plans are. But if it does move to two through six, uh, uh, like that week in March, 
it would it should still be in the eligibility window uh but that's gonna be like right when everybody's doing all the stuff like it's gonna be like running up against melfest and oh that saturday is going to be that saturday is going to have everybody saying alora oh no i'm so tired already (laughs) yeah i'm just i can already see just like a wave of tweets just going alora yeah hashtag hashtag san remo yes so uh but something to look forward to unless like italy decides to go internal or uh just decides to peace out this year then i mean uh, just take it just like book it on your calendar now anyways it's gonna be fun to watch yeah if i learned anything from watching italy eurovision it's like i should be watching more of this Mm -hmm. because it's a mess in a delightful way yes and there will be the midweek stuff which we don't get enough of Mm -hmm. uh yeah so speaking of long drawn out processes uh albania is planning on moving forward with uh (laughs) festival congress for uh this year uh, which means that uh, Erlina Ara was not internally selected uh, to represent Albania. Um, and it's usually, like, I don't recall contestants doing uh, FIK two years in a row. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's, like, a hard and fast rule that you're not allowed to do it two years in a row, or if it's just... Uh, or if it's just, like, how things work out. Yeah. When we discussed uh, Festival e Congas earlier this year when you were discussing sort of what came out of that just like knowing how ingrained that is in part of albania's identity that doesn't surprise me that they are going moving forward with it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it is also one of those events that i think they could and again i don't know what the like situation is on the ground there uh at the moment i mean it's kind of the same everywhere but like the festival's in December. Hopefully mm-hmm. things have moved <laughs> we, we Hopefully there will be some progress. We are holding then, on to so. the scraps of whatever far-off events yes. are on the yes. calendar in hopes that we will get to do them. Yeah. And, I mean, I feel like that, that is something that they could accomplish in a socially distanced way if they needed to. Where it's just exactly like, what a giant auditorium and five judges all sitting in separate sections. And... Just pull a Denmark. Just do that. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. So yeah, we do know that that can be done. So hmm. also not internally selected. Uh, Germany has mm-hmm. has decided to move forward with not Ben Dolich as their their entrant for next year. He does have the opportunity to submit to the selection process, which is expected to be similar to what they did for 2020, which is some inter- internal juries deciding on the best entry for for Germany. It could it could still be Ben Dolich. We could be pleasantly surprised that everybody's like, nope, two years in a row. We love it. Yeah, although I could see him shopping around for... Just popping up in Stockholm be like, hello, friends. Yeah. Ooh, that would be interesting. Yeah, I don't know if he'd make the jump to Melfest just yet. He, he seemed he seemed a little green for that, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. I'm hoping he's not a stranger to Eurovision, because... Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that song was fun, and I thought that Germany, after Sisters, didn't work. That felt mm-hmm. like a that felt like a fun new direction for them. Yes, yes. So we'll see how this one plays out. Um, but yeah, ho- hoping for good things from Ben Dulich. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I mean, if the internal selection doesn't work, hopefully there's an album in the works. Yeah, like, just like there's... do Miklos Joseph. Just keep doing what he does and just keep releasing great singles, and I will keep adding them to my Spotify playlist. Anyways, any anything else, Mike? I think that's it. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Euro What. Thanks for listening. The EuroWhat Podcast is hosted by Ben Smith, that's me, and Mike McComb. That's me. 
You can find us on our website at eurowhat.com and on Twitter and Instagram at eurowhat. You can subscribe to the Eurowhat on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcast app of your choice. When you subscribe, leave us a review. Uh, let us know how we're doing. Let us know if you're pronouncing Neve correctly and help other Eurovision fans find us. We'll be back in two weeks to try and make sense of what's new in Eurovision. <laughs>